This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are. And today, I'm really excited to have in-house Chief Charles Solano, um, who has a, an awesome leadership uh, organization, and it's called Chief Leadership, right? And, you know, that's what we do in public safety stuff. We, we get to the highest rank, and then we'd like to keep it and say this. You're right, Chief. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, in the world of public safety and rapid change in environment, we create a, a new environment for executive leadership, and it's exactly our coaching that is. That's exactly what Chief is doing, helping people just go through that concept of, of career development, moving to the next level, um, and, and what can you do. Because we're just talking before we went on air. You graduate from college, you get your first job as a in, in public safety, and, and now what? Like, what do you do? That you just kind of work for twenty years in the same position, or most people want to promote up. And so, how do you get to that? How do you make yourself better? How do you develop yourself? as a leader. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the informal leadership as well. So Chief, welcome. welcome Thank you. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate uh, you having me for sure. Yeah. So your story is pretty unique. You, you get you start working for a, for a police department here locally and then you become the chief of the department. So I'll talk about that career path. Yeah, I actually, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to actually be a police officer, believe it or not. Um, I had no I had no sights on being a police officer in college, and then, interestingly enough, um, when I was going to UC Irvine, uh, my finished up my third year, and my dad calls me up one day, and they were living overseas, and he says, "Hey, son, I got some bad news for you. I can't pay for your last year of college because we have this huge tax bill, and um, you know you're kind of on your own." And I'm like, "Well, Dad, I can't pay for college. I can't pay for my last year. I work part time, you know, mm-hmm. so." I started looking around for a job and, and there was a job fair on campus and Tustin PD was, they had a booth there and they were hiring police officers. And I was working for the campus police department, you know, part-time as a CSO for a couple of years. So I, I kind of had some idea about law enforcement. And so I filled out an application. 30 days later, I'm in the police academy at 20 <laughs> years old. No, like no clue as to what, like now we do a lot of prep for people getting it. Like I had no idea. I, it's amazing that I made it through the police academy, but I fell in love with the job. Um, and for those people that have been in public safety and law enforcement, they know how that happens. Right. You know, it's just amazing. It's an amazing job. It's different every day. And I, I just enjoyed every position I was in, you know, whether I was a patrol officer, I was a narcotics detective, or I worked in the gang unit. Um, and then I started to, you know, think about promoting up to the ranks, mainly because, you know, I, I, I would get bored in my current spot. You know, mm-hmm. like I would learn it, i figure it out, I would be comfortable, and I didn't want to be comfortable anymore. So I would start testing for these jobs, and eventually I was fortunate enough to like you said, promote up through the, the ranks to be the police chief, which was a whole nother, that's a whole nother experience for sure. I could talk about that for hours. Right. And so, you know, so you make police chief and all's well, right? No problems? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, all, all my problems disappeared. Absolutely. But so now you're leading. 
right? And you're in a position of leadership. You have to really kind of develop your your rapport with the, the line guys, you know. And, you know, I know it's a little bit different. I'll explain what I'm talking about here in a second. That when you promote up through an organization, it's a little bit different than when you come from the outside to lead an organization because you're kind of fresh. Yes. <laughs> you When you lead up through an organization, um, you kind of still have some – baggage that's oh, yeah. associated with you oh, yeah. when with your friends and you know now yes. you're now you're leading your friends what, what's it like to, to lead people who you were in the trenches with and now you're above them it is very much a challenge um you you, you know you, it's rare to see um somebody promote up to police chief within their own organization a lot of times if people want to be a chief they go outside right and you know it's a blessing and a curse to be an internal chief. The blessing is you have all this institutional knowledge, which is wonderful. You know everyone, but the curse is, like you said, you got some baggage, you know. And of course, I've made mistakes throughout my career, and people don't forget those mistakes. But also, you have those friendships. I had like long-standing, twenty-five-year friendships that you know when you become just as a supervisor or a manager you got to make tough decisions and you got to make unpopular decisions and challenge. It it strains friendships. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, I lost a couple of friendships along the way. I had to recommend a friend for termination. Like this, like stuff that kind of tears you up inside. But I I think what is important as a leader is to set the expectations for, you know, with your friends and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be your friend. But I have a responsibility to the organization, to the mission, and as long as you have you set those boundaries, and if they're really a good friend, it should it should be fine. But it's a challenge; it's right. definitely a challenge. I, I know that. I mean, not the same level, but when I was in the military, uh, you promote from E one two three, which non commissioned or not, not they're just non rates, if you will, and you get to your NCO level, you're not commissioned officer, or petty officer, or Navy, and now you're leading them too, and. I remember a friend of mine got promoted, and he's like, hey, guys, I can't hang out with you anymore. And, like, a week later, he's like, hang out with you guys? Or, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm lonely. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, there's there's always that. But the same thing with, like, in, in you know, all public safety, right? Yeah. I mean, the fire department has the same issue, you know, where you promote the captain, battalion chief and stuff, and, you know, and, you know, obviously you have emergency management, EMS, they all have that same, that same thing. But it's now you're leading. And, and so I think we, in some cases – um, with leadership, I think it's interesting that we promote people a lot of times for their technical skills, yes, right, but not for their leadership skills. And so, how do you develop leadership skills? Great question. So I've seen that happen too many times where people were really very technically competent at their jobs, and then we go, "Oh, we should promote them because they must—they're going to be great leaders." And the reality is that leadership is a separate skill. Because leadership is about people. And you could be technically competent. You can know all the aspects of the job. You could be technically sound. But if you don't understand how to deal with people, then you're going to struggle as a leader. And I've seen that happen, you know, more than once. So I always talk about leadership as a skill. It's a perishable skill. Mm-hmm. It's something you need to train on. It's something you can learn. You know, people say, well, you're a born leader. Well, you might have some aspects that, you know, are you know, you have some charisma or you have some personality, but to me, leadership is, is learned and you can, you can be made as a leader. Absolutely. Um, but again, I've seen people struggle because they have those like, well, I'm technically competent. Well, you're in a leadership role now. And again, it's about people. 
Um, and yeah, th- there's a lot of struggling going on. So I, I know this is like one of these questions that people like, you know, fight back and forth, the internet fights, right? And what is, the, I mean, I think there's a big difference between uh, a leadership and, and management. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and w- so, what do you think the differences are between a, a good manager of people and a good leader of people? So I say that um, you know I talk about this a lot in the training is there is a difference between leadership and management, but you need both, right? So leadership again is about people, managing is about things. And I love this quote that um, it's actually Navy. Okay, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Rear Admiral Grace Hopper. Yes famous right in the navy she was like this amazing computer scientist back in the 40s and 50s and so she said something really powerful she powerful she said you manage things you lead people and it's so true and when when leaders cross those things over when they start to manage people like they manage things or projects they run into trouble because leadership again it's about people it's about those emotional intelligence skills right those you know, how do you manage relationships? How do you, are you self-aware? You know, are you socially aware? You know, are you able to manage your own emotions and regulate your emotions? That's not managing things or projects. That's not task orientation. You need that stuff too, right? If you're all about the people and you can't get anything done, well, you're not effective as a leader either. So I say you need both. You need those management skills, but you, need, you also need the leadership skills when it comes to dealing with people. So... When you're in an organization and you're not necessarily in official leadership, right? You, you're you're not you're not in a position to where you to you are called a leader, right? Yeah. But you are a leader. You're informal leadership. How, how do you navigate those waters of being an informal leader, really leading teams and organizations um, from, as you call, the locker room leader, if you want to call it? So, like, from the perspective of of that informal leader, or from from like, the informal leader, yeah. Just knowing that you have influence, I think, is important. I mean, I believe everyone in public safety, whether it's, you know, police or fire or EMS or emergency managers, everybody's a leader. I don't care what position you have in the organization. You're a leader because you have the ability to influence change. That's how, you know, I would define a leader. And if you have the ability to influence change, then you have a responsibility as a leader to, you know, know what that message is you're sending. And you know as well as I do that informal leaders can be positive in an organization or they can be, you know, very negative. True, true. They can be toxic and they love, you know, bringing people into their little world of negativity. And so I think as an informal leader, you got to kind of do that mirror check and like, okay, am I, you know, am I embracing the institution right now or am I fighting the institution? You know, am I being someone working towards the mission or am I being subversive? So if you're in a position, say, like emergency management, like we're talking before we got on the air, that um, in some cases they, they're buried down in the org chart uh, yeah. and they don't have actual um, uh, decision-making capabilities in the sense of, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis. Maybe during, you know, dark sky days they get, yep. they get pushed up, but during blue sky days they're, they're struggling to get their, their message across. What do you say to someone like that and, and how do they navigate that the waters of the bureaucracy. It's really hard. Uh, so, I mean, we were talking offline that, you know, emergency management should have a seat at the table, right? They, they should, there should be someone from emergency management at the director table, I think, so that they have that direct access to the department heads, you know, they're at a peer level, 
and to the city manager or the county CEO. That's just not the case in a lot of jurisdictions. But if you're that emergency manager and you feel like you're not being heard or, you know, or you just feel like you're, you got that bureaucracy, I think what I would recommend is, like, try to, try to lead up the chain of command, right? I love – have you read the book Extreme Ownership by yeah, John absolutely. It's a great book, right? Yeah. So he talks about leading up the chain of command. And as an emergency manager, you got to provide the data you know, provide the information, like be very clear, you know, to your, to your chain of command, to the bosses and let them know like how important this is. And you got to, you know, you might be, you know, uh, fighting a brick wall sometimes, but you just got to push through it, you know, and let, just get your data in order, get your, your facts in order, lead up that chain of command. And that's the only thing you can do. You can't control all this other stuff. You got to focus on what you can control. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about how to deal with the the toxic leader for quote unquote. Okay. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limits Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter Ian Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. Have you ever wanted to work in a flying ICU? Or maybe you're just passionate about saving lives. Right now, you can realize your dream by applying to work for one of the best teams in the air medical industry. Air Methods is currently hiring qualified flight nurses, medics, and mechanics to join our air medical team. Check out our new salary and benefits packages. Visit airmethods.com careers and apply today. That's airmethods.com careers. Power outages can happen at any time. Is your community prepared? The Power Up Solar Power Charging Trailer can be used to address the need for temporary power for your community. In addition, the Power Up Solar Power Charging Trailer can provide a platform to support your public information and community resiliency outreach efforts throughout the year to educate and inform people about the need to always be ready. For more information, visit Power upconnect.com that is powerupconnect.com hey welcome back and thank you for listening to our sponsors because without them we really could not bring you what we were bringing here today and and uh before we went to break i want to talk a little bit about the, the concept of the toxic leader and i'm putting leadership in quotes for those that are listening to the podcast not listening live here that you know how do you navigate um that that problem and we've all worked for that guy who was in charge or gal who was in charge of us that was just kind of running roughshod over the organization, not listening and not really being active, uh, participant in, in what you're doing. So chief, how, how do you, how do you deal with someone like that? Like a, like a, like a chief, the guy who's in charge, a person who's, who, you know, can hire and fire you and, and they're just terrible. Well, that's a tough one. I, and again, I've experienced that as well. I always say there's one thing you can learn from a bad leader and that's what not to do. 
So, so you know, take that opportunity to learn and, and say, man, I'm never going to treat people like that or, you know. Um, but, again, r- reflecting back on what you can control, try not to let that toxic person, whoever that is, that leader, to, you know, impact you and your values because you represent your values, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes people allow that, that toxic behavior to influence their behavior, you're like, you know, I'm being disrespected, so you know what? I'm going to be disrespectful. And, and you know, it's hard, but I would say, you know, hey, they represent their values and you represent yours. And, again, just focus on what you can control and just be the best at your current job that you can and, and let the chips fall. You know, th- those leaders, again, thinking about it, those leaders didn't start off that way, right? They're, they're toxic. Whoever, whether, whoever the toxic employee is, they didn't start off that way. They started off optimistic they wanted to you know make a difference in a positive way but something happened along the way so if you're dealing with that toxic boss find something that's important to him or her there's there's something that's important to him or her and if you can find out what that is and then work on that and and be the best that you can at that you might actually break through you know whatever it is you know it's going on with that particular boss but if you can't again just Focus on what you can control and try not to let that frustrate you. But I know the reality is the reality is it's it's frustrating. Those toxic leaders really hurt morale in an organization. Yes. It's they, they they poison the ground for morale, right? And as a leader, your job is to is to nurture that ground, to make sure that morale can flourish. But bad leaders poison it. And I've been the victim of it. I'm sure you've been the victim of it. Absolutely. And it's 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 different. You never forget those, right? You never no. forget those incidents. Yeah, you know it's funny because like uh, we worked, a bunch of us worked together for with this one guy who was very, very, very toxic, if you will. And uh, even to this day, like we still talk about him. And, and I have a friend of mine who was just like we we're talking the other night, and he was like getting mad again. I'm like, I'm like Noah, Noah, Noah. It's okay, man. He's no longer around, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's just no. It's funny. emotional, right? Yeah, You're right. right. Yeah, it's it's almost like. It's a little PTSD in yeah. a way, you know, if it, depending on how you were traumatized. Like I can still vividly remember being dressed down by a sergeant over the radio when I was a patrol officer 25 years ago for, for not putting the traffic cones where they're supposed to be in the parking structure. Like, really? Like you're going to get on the radio and dress me down in front of all my peers, in front of dispatch, because I didn't put the traffic cones where they're supposed to go. But that's how he treated everybody. You know, that's just, and, and he was known for that and it kind of followed him throughout his career. And to me, like, didn't get a lot of respect. People feared him, but that's not the same thing as respect. Yeah. I guess there's the whole question. Do you want to be feared? Do you want to be respected? Can you be both? And I don't think you can, yeah, you can't definitely not be both. Yeah. That's, that's a much deeper question for sure. (laughs) sure. So let's talk about career path here for a minute. So, you, you know, I know you work and you coach people through career paths mm-hmm. like how to promote up and and i mean i know that you focus specifically on law enforcement on your coaching but i mean it's, it's really very similar on no, no matter what level of public safety that you're in um when should you start your idea of, of promoting a career path well i th- it's tricky because it depends on what your ultimate goal is like when i got into the job i didn't have my sights set on promotion I just wanted to be the best that I could be. You know, I wanted to be a narcotics detective, so 
I focused a lot in patrol on trying to get drug arrests, you know, or, you know, I wanted to, you know, be in gangs at some point. So I never really thought about like, but there are people that like, hey, I want to be the chief of police or I want to be the fire chief or, you know, I want to be, and that's fine. The best thing I can recommend is to have a growth mindset. You know, I talk about mindset a lot. People either operate from a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And a fixed mindset is people that say, you know what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, or they don't like feedback. They don't like criticism. It's like just, I'm just not good at that, right? That's Mm -hmm. a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is like, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to learn something new. You know, give me that feedback. So if you're operating from a growth mindset, you're setting yourself up for whatever opportunities come your way. You know, a good friend of mine says, Charlie, wait. When opportunity knocks, you want to have a big door, mm. right? Meaning, you know, set yourself up ahead of time. Learn as much as you can. Um, get outside, especially in law enforcement. I tell people, get outside the profession. We're so insulated, right? We only talk to cops. We only have friends that are cops. We only, you know, probably the same with emergency managers or fire. It's like, get outside that group and learn. Like, read publications that are outside your profession, um, go to conferences and, and meet people from other industries, other professions, because that's just going to broaden your your perspective and your knowledge. And it's going to set yourself up for that, just that whole self-development. Right. The other thing that I always recommend is seek out a mentor, you know, because mentors aren't necessarily going to come to you, right? right. If, if you're like, right. hey, I want to be your mentor. Like, it just doesn't happen, you know. So you got to seek them out, you know, and you'd be surprised how many people would be willing to mentor you? And I tell people, like, don't walk up to the person and go, hey, will you be my mentor? No, it's, you know, hey, do you have 10 minutes to grab a cup of coffee? I'd like to pick your brain about, you know, just the job itself or the profession. And I can almost guarantee you that, you know, they're going to say yes because people want to share their knowledge. They want to share what they've learned and their experience with others. It's it's gratifying. It's, It's satisfying for them. So seek out a mentor, find somebody that, you know, you admire, that you look up to, that you're like, I want to be like her someday, you know, and then go ask her, hey, do you have 10 minutes for a cup of coffee? You'd be surprised, you know, so that's a good, I think, strategy for somebody that wants to, you know, kind of work up the ranks at some point in their organization. On the Crisis Cafe, which is a sister organization that we have with the Ian Weekly Show, crisis-cafe.com, we actually have a mentor-mentee group uh, ah. for some people that are interested in getting into mentorship uh, or becoming a mentee. Um, you, you know, that's great. You can you can go there and, and connect. And I think that's that's what I tell my students all the time. I said you gotta you really have to go and, and network, and there is work associated with networking, yes. right? It's not just going to the cocktail party and you know and all of a sudden you're networking. You know, you get the business card. No, you have to make follow up and calls and and and, yeah. and really work with the people. Um, well, so I want to put a little another twist to it too, because we're all all in bad budget years and stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, even cities because of of taxes are down because of COVID and whatnot. And so when it comes to conferences and things like this, that which you know I really recommend that you go to, um, sometimes people are getting the no, you know, the answer of of, yeah. of no. Yeah. Like, you know, outside of paying your own way which is a possibility yeah right which if you really want to go maybe that's what you should do um how can people network how can people reach out like like what do you what do you think tell the new people join into the organization or into the the field how do they reach out like i mean you know linkedin or what i mean what do you what do you recommend yeah i mean linkedin is 
phenomenal. I love LinkedIn. It's a great, you know, kind of um, network where you don't have to fork out a bunch of money to go to a conference, right? You can make those connections online. So that's a great way to do it. Um, email is a great way. Just, you know, just a, a cold email or, you know, a warm email if you've met the per- person before, excuse me, <clears throat> and just say, like I said, do you have time for a cup of coffee? Because most people have 10, 15 minutes for a cup of coffee, right. you know, or whatever it is. And um, you got to get out of your comfort zone, right? I don't like the whole cocktail party, you know, experience. You know, I don't like that. You know, I like, I'm, I'm like this more of the one-on-one stuff. Right. Um, but you just got to, you got to reach out. You know, you're right. When the budget cuts happen, that's the first to go. I remember cutting conferences, you know, at our department. When Remember when we had the recession and i mean those are the first things to go that's a low-hanging fruit so you got to get creative you know get creative and reach out to people online linkedin email there's there's plenty of ways to do it that you know um are not cost prohibitive right yeah, I guess it's much easier to cut conferences than to say, you know, we're not buying staples anymore or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like critical training that you right, need, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, that's the other thing too is is like when you talk about the growth mindset is is really looking for those those critical training, the ability to go through those programs and stuff like that. Or unique training opportunities um, yeah. that uh, you know, that, that fit the, the organization's needs, right? And, and that's one thing, too, is I, I've learned over the years is, like, if you want to go to a training um, that's, you know, that's good for you, right? right? And, and, but then you go, okay, how, do, how does this fit the organizational needs? Because <laughs> otherwise, why should the organization pay for it, right? Yeah. A lot of times when we would have, you know, uh, people go to training or officers ask to go to training, we would ask them when they came back is to give a, you know, brief 15-minute presentation and briefing or roll call uh, what you got out of the training that does two things right it it shares that knowledge and training with a larger group so it's almost like a force multiplier right? right but also it gets that person those skills those presentation skills right gets up Absolutely. in front of a group like nobody likes public speaking so you know again getting them out of their comfort zone getting them up in front of the group and that way you're you're sharing that training sharing experience and developing that person so that's a good I think tactic to kind of again be a force multiplier, but also develop people. One of the things I tell my students as well is when you're looking to do something, you want to be a value add to the organization. And how, how do you, you know, especially if you're like in emergency management, right? Which is not the core function of like law enforcement or fire, right? How do you show the value add that you do to the organization when you are definitely on, you know, lower down on the org chart? You got to put yourself out there, you know, and you got you've got to again talk to those people, the decision makers, and find out what it is that that they need. You know, find out. I learned this from a good friend named Jacob Green, you know, who's you know just an amazing guy, and you know he worked his way up through the ranks on the civilian side, and he found success in in dealing with leaders who are resistant to find out what it is that they need. And then do whatever you can to try and accomplish that goal. What's something that you haven't accomplished that you wanted to for years and years? And when they tell you, it's like, all right, make it happen. Do what you can to make it happen within your control, right? So that's going to add value, especially to the people who are making those decisions. And then once you do, you've built credibility with that person. And now, you know, that's going to kind of feed that whole relationship and hopefully, you know, put you in a better place to 
you know, to add value to the organization over in the long run. Absolutely. I have a quiet comment. It says he's coming to the a little bit late. He goes, um, oh, he goes, ask, he asks if you, do you work with internal law enforcement and career development or, or law enforcement leaving or have left law enforcement? So like what kind of clients do you work with? So I work with not just law enforcement clients, but also uh, people in the fire service, emergency managers, but also people in the nonprofit space. Whoever is, you know, trying to, you know, advance in, in their career and in their life, but also people that are leaving the profession, too, because I struggled with that. You know, I, I think you know my story, but I left, I left the profession earlier than I wanted to because of a health scare. Right. And so part of my mission is really helping people in this profession take care of themselves because I didn't and, and I suffered with my heart as a result. Luckily, my health's turned around right now, but um, that's a big part of my mission is like helping people not just survive their career, but thrive in it and also thrive in their retirement and their next, whatever their next chapter is, you know, because it's not like you retire and then you sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I mean, you could do that, right? But uh, for a lot of people, that's not very exciting to think about, right? right? Fulfilling, you know, you want to have purpose, you know, what gets you up in the morning? And so I help people try and find what that purpose is and then help them get there. I, I see a lot of people leaving law enforcement and public safety in general um, due to the political climate today. Yeah. Um, what do you think is next? This is kind of a broad question, not necessarily individual career, but what do you think is next for 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 us in public safety? You know, um, what's the next generation going to be able to do losing a lot of the old generation? Well, that's that's. I mean, there's a lot going on right now with obviously with public safety and what's and what's happening, you know, in society in general, and what the the public's perception is of public safety. I think we're at a tipping point, honestly. I think policing is at a tipping point, and we need to evolve. We we haven't evolved far enough, fast enough uh, for the community, and. It's easy for some in our profession to kind of circle the wagons and say, well, you just don't understand us. You know, you don't get it. And in a lot of ways, they don't get it. But it's our responsibility to, you know, communicate with the community and let them know and, and help them get it, right? So we have to evolve. We have to try and meet the community's expectations as best we can and educate them on what, you know, our you know shortcomings are and what our you know, how difficult the job is because the job is incredibly challenging, you know, and now people are rushing to judgment without getting any of the facts and it's, it makes it that much harder. And so people are leaving this profession in droves and it's scary. It's scary for all of us. Um, but law enforcement leaders, in my opinion, they, they need to get on this, you know, evolving train now. Like we need to evolve as fast as possible and try and meet those community needs because we're at a tipping point i don't know what's going to happen you hear some communities saying we don't need the police anymore we don't need you know police can't do traffic stops they shouldn't i don't know what the long-term consequences are of that i don't think they're necessarily going to be a good thing right for for the community we're also seeing less and less people trying to join um into law enforcement and in public safety in general right yeah why would you yeah, fire still doing all right, but you know the other. Well, everybody loves the firefighters. Come on, but not only that. I mean, you get to hang out. It's just a little bit different of a job. Yeah, but yeah, 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 it's a cool job. Yeah, right. 
Um, but it, it, I mean, like other public safety agencies, are, they're having a hard time filling their ranks. Yeah. Um, it's so much so that they're, you know, you're seeing increases in, in pay, and you're seeing increases in like sign-on bonuses. It's it's crazy, you know, to, to think about some of the stuff that they're doing to try to get people inside the door. Um, my fear for that is that if they start lowering the standards of who they're hiring because they need to get, need to fill the roles, yeah. and, and does that really perpetuate um, those other problems that are that are going on specifically? But that's a that's a story for uh, for another day. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're getting here close to the end, Chief. I'd like to like, go ahead and pitch yourself and, and how can people get a hold of you and you know oh, talk a little you. bit about your organization. Thanks. I didn't know you were going to do this. Uh, <laughs> well, um, you just go to my website. It's um, it's chiefleadership.com. Um, and check out the services I provide. Again, I, I, I'm all about helping people, you know, really take care of themselves. It's about self-care and wellness, but helping them develop their leadership. Uh, if they want to promote in their organization or if they just want to be a better – in their current job, they want to be a better emergency manager or a better police officer or a better firefighter, like, I just want to help them. I just want to help them get to that point where they're enjoying their job, they get to that retirement in one piece – you know, they're not they're not sitting down with a cardiologist like I did and having those conversations. And and then they get to enjoy their retirement, you know, enjoy their children, their grandchildren and maybe see their grandchildren grow up, you know. Right. So, you know, go to my website. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, reach out to me. I'm always available. And I do a lot of, you know, like free work, like for people that just want to, you know, hey, I just want some advice, chief, on. You know, I'm going into this promotional process. Do you have any advice for me? I just do that for free. Like, just reach out to me, and and I just want to help, you Absolutely. know, pretty much. And those links are also in the show notes right now. So if you are driving or your pencil's not sharp, just go ahead and go to the show notes, and you can click the links to, to find uh, Chief as well. So um, thank you, everybody, for, for being with us today. It's been my pleasure having Chief in the office here uh, to discuss, you know, career, career choice, and, and leadership in general uh, in, in emergency management and public safety. And if you'd like to follow us, please do. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, we are also um, out there doing some cool stuff with the Crisis Cafe. So it's crisis-cafe.com. And in general, just come find us. Love to see you here next week as well. And until then, stay safe and stay hydrated.